Hey everyone, I'm L. Jones, host of An Average Fan Podcast and the In-N-Out Hoops Podcast. You can find these shows currently streaming right now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Number one rule, continue, and always remember to rate, like, and subscribe to get notifications on when new episodes are out. Now everybody, the moment you've been waiting on. The show. This is An Average Fan Podcast with your host L. Jones. It's game seven, y'all. It is game seven. Celtics heat. This this series was supposed to be over, right? Man, we got a dog fight going on here. How did we get here? I could have sworn. Okay, anyway. We finally got the Bud Crawford aerospace fight, y'all. That's happening. That's a thing. Did you also know that we're under 100 days left? Under 100 days, y'all, to the start of the college football season. What are the dark horses from each Power 5 conference? And the Nuggets are getting plenty of rest as they await. Who will have the upper hand in the finals matchup? Hmm? It's a lot to talk about today. Welcome back to the pod, an average fan sports podcast. That is your host, L. Jones. Continue to rate, like, and subscribe. Help the pod grow. Streaming on many different platforms. Download it. Subscribe to it. You get the updates when it comes out. Yo, how are we feeling about game seven? Game seven, the heat go up three, nothing. See, they always talk about, and it sounds so cliche, it's the first to four. And no one believes it until a team has to do it. Hmm. This has been an entertaining series to watch. And I'm pretty sure if you saw the end of game six, you pretty much felt like, dang, Boston doesn't want this game. We got some people on Twitter, man. We got some... Eagle-eyed detectives out there noticed that they... Jimmy Butler was fired with 2.1 left on the clock. They put a .9 back on there. Three seconds. They gave Boston three seconds. It changes everything in the eyes of Heat fans. Boston fans are saying that's a double. NBA report says, no, it's not. My man lost control of the ball. Therefore, it cannot be a double dribble. Eee. Refereeing is so tough nowadays, y'all. It's tough, right? Nah, it ain't tough. So, speaking of refereeing, the NBA, they opened up an investigation into long-time referee. Yes, long time. They, they had to throw that out there. Eric Lewis. Y'all know Eric Lewis. <laughs> yeah, Eric Lewis, the Celtics fan. You know exactly who we're talking about. My man's has a burner account, and he's been going in on it. So the NBA is investigating the validity of this claim. I just want to know who dropped the dime on him. Who told on Eric Lewis? Who dropped this off with the NBA office? And the reason I call him the Celtics fan, y'all do y'all research. Apparently the Celtics are 24-2 and when this man referees a game. It's crazy that referees have stats. They bring out stats. Or they fan make stats. 
Either way it goes. I'm here for it. We knew KD had a burner. Eric Lewis has a burner. He said, hey, I got to get these thoughts off my chest too. Y'all out here coming from my head. Nope. Nope. All right. We talked about the Bud Crawford, Errol Spence on the opening of the show. Who got the upper hand in this one? This fight had to happen, y'all. It had to happen. We needed this fight badly, I think. Watching uh, Lomacheco and Haney, you have to have this fight happen. I enjoyed the Loma fight. Um, so, we know boxing is prize fighting, but I get it. A lot of people feel like Haney won. I get it, and I understand it. Um, I'm leaning the other way, though, and I'm just going to leave it there. But back to this Bud Crawford and Errol Spence fight, y'all, I just had some questions because this is a this is something we will be actually getting into, and we'll be talking to some people to find out really who has the advantage. But I just want to know one thing now as we as we get into this media hype train that is this fight and what it will be leading up to July, who will have the harder time coming back from an L in this matchup? We see this a lot of times with boxing matchups, especially with two guys coming in at the top. Usually for the loser, it's not as easy to come back. But in this case, you have a lot to consider. Uh, what does the loss for Bud Crawford look like? Also with Errol Spence, if he loses against Bud, how does he lose? Like, yeah, it's a lot to break down. I love this matchup, though. This is a good matchup. I just hope it doesn't go 12 rounds. And hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I get it. I want a good fight, but I want a real fight. 12 rounds right now in boxing scares me. It scares me a lot. You can have a fighter dominate a fight. And that decision go the other way. I just want a real fight. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Under 100 days left to the start of the college football season. Super hype. But you know, like all things, we got questions, right? Can Georgia three-peat? Can the Bulldogs three-peat? That's the question. That's numero uno. If you're if you live in Athens or in the in the state of Georgia, you you feel like yeah, we we got a shot because last year, no one thought we could do it and we did it, and this year they're feeling like they're a little bit better, which they are. Defense is young, but the defense is hungry, and then in the playoff we saw some of those freshmen. Michael Williams, he's a problem. He's going to be a problem. Uh, we know what they have on the back end with Bullet. So, this would be a good team to keep your eye out on. The schedule is favorable for Georgia. Now, there's no shade. There's no slight. It is what it is, but the schedule lines up. Everybody assumes Georgia will be undefeated. Their toughest test comes at the end of the year, in the next to the last game when they play Tennessee. So, both teams will be what they are. In this point in the season, 
they won't be working through any um any kind of issues i don't suspect um barring injury uh next question next question leading up to this talking about these hundred days to the start of the college football season can um continue their high streak and dominance of the big 10 It's kind of weird saying that, but it is what it is. We'll give Jim Harbaugh some credit. Um, it took him some time to build the right culture that he wanted, right? And he's built that, and he's really revitalized his college coaching career by beating his arch enemy. Never beat Urban Meyer. And now he's able to beat Ryan Day two times in the last two years. This has led to them being in the college football playoff and Big Ten champions. So they can they continue this hot streak that they have going forward? Because we know it's been a lot of banner between both both fan bases, right? The Ohio State fans, the Michigan fans going back and forth. So this game will be in Ann Arbor this year, but can they continue to dominate? UM, similar to Georgia, has a schedule that's kind of favorable. Now we can say it's favorable because they are that dominant of a team, or it's favorable because of the lack of certain matchups that they have. Sometimes you can have tough teams on your schedule. But the pacing in between games, you can have a tough team in week three and you don't play another tough team till week 12. Okay, so you can have some matchups there which are tough, but the spacing of them, if they're not right behind each other, you get what I'm trying to say. Next question is, what will Bama look like in the post Bryce Young era? What does that look like, y'all? You know you got Ty Simpson and you got Milrow and Milrow is a that boy is a boy is a freak athlete, y'all. Y'all go check out some some Milrow highlights. A man's built like Derrick Henry, but can throw the football a little bit. He ain't all that accurate, but so and when we start previewing more of the college football season. We're going to talk about a dark horse in each Power 5 conference, right? A dark horse. Somebody who's on the cusp of doing something great. And I know a lot of you college football fans are already throwing out teams out there. Future episodes, we're going to get into this. There's going to be some things that we really start to break down as we gear up for the college football season. But today, we have Game 7. And a lot of people are still just lost, man, because Miami had that game won. Everything lined up for them to win that game. Now, Eric Spoelstra had made some comments post-game. Me being who I am, I had to have, let's just say, a just at odds with how he saw what he saw. And I'm wondering... Did he when if he when he had the time to look back at this right to look back at the film, would he feel the same way as his statement? So he makes a statement, basically saying that they didn't 
want JT, Jason Tatum, to have a have the ball in his hands. So they want to funnel everything away from him. But the thing that killed the Heat on this possession was the lack of boxing out of uh, elementary principle when it comes to rebounding the basketball. They did not do it. And he said everything on that play went right except for just the ball bounce. But I'm telling you, they would have lost this game regardless because if you actually go back and you look at the replay, Tatum also had a chance at a putback. Now, we know and we've talked about them adding that time onto the clock, and it matters. But what I'm saying is, man, that, how do you not how do you not box out and get the rebound? You can see Derek White just float in the corner and just attack the basket. What you're supposed to do. But everybody is just so fixated on watching the ball that no one paid attention to him. Struce got caught up underneath a screen and he was trying to get over. He couldn't make it there. Derek White's right there for the tip in. That hurts. That hurts more than them adding that point nine to the clock. So here's my thing, and which everybody kind of knows. This series is close, and we're going to give Miami credit because their defense is good, especially with some guys who you don't even know who most of them are. But now you do, right? They play a good style of defense. They'll go to a box of one. They'll go to a two, three. They'll play your man up. They switch up the looks. They'll rotate. They do all of that. Very good. Very sound defensively. Boston is dominant when they hit their three-point shot. They give you like a Golden State-esque vibe because what Boston does, which I like as a, as a fan, as an avid fan of basketball, which I like, they'll swing. They'll swing that ball. That ball will start to generate and create that momentum. Passes. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, you get an open guy in the corner. You get an open guy at the wing. Knocking down three-point shots. So, you love, obviously, what you see from them. What I'm saying is the counter-argument and why this thing is 3-3. They have attempted 225 three-point shots as a team. You heard me right. 225 three-point shots as a team compared to Miami has shot 177. That's an attempt. They've only made 72 of them. They've only made 72 of them. Let that sink in. Boston has only hit 72 out of 225. Where you have Miami hitting 75 out of 177. This is the only reason why the series is closed. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled, right? Because it's other stats. Like, the pace is the same. The effective field goal percentage is the same. Like, 54%. Miami's actually a tick higher there. 54-9, 54-3. Okay, so they're close. 
Boston averaging about a, a turnover more a game. Boston is our re- offensive rebounding them. But when we look at it, the offensive ratings, Miami has a better offensive rating. And they're averaging more points. So we're seeing why Miami was is able to stay in this series, and it's due to their defense and how they play Miami and get them off the three-point line. But they had three chances to close this out, and this is going to be the hardest of all closeouts. You got to feel confident if you're Miami or if you're a Heat fan. You got to feel confident, yet scared, right? You feel confident because you're like, hey, we took the first two games in Boston. Did that. Not to mention we actually should have won the last one. So be that as you may that you didn't, you still have that apprehension when you come back as if, wow, okay, look. There's some things here that we really have to do that we're really going to have to kind of um, get overall. But you still have that, all right, I, I like my chances. Spolster is confident. Jimmy's confident. That's what you want to have. You want to have that confidence. They're not looking at the fact that they've dropped the past three games. They're looking at their past success, and they're saying, look, we know we can get it done. And to echo what Coach Spolster is saying, he said, I don't know how we'll get it done, but I I know we'll get it done. And that's just the mindset that you have to go in. They know it's going to be a war. Those fans in Boston are going to be so loud. So, obviously, the simple thing, right, is to take the crowd out the game. But you also have to play your style of basketball. They cannot, in my eyes, afford to let Boston have, like, a double-digit lead and try to fight back. I think this is one where they're going to have to keep it close. They're going to have to go up early and make Boston fight the whole way. Boston is really good when their back's against the wall, though. We'll see if they, Miami, they being Miami, can get their revenge in this game seven. We'll see if Jimmy can go on to this NBA Finals. As we talked about, the Nuggets, man, they're getting plenty of rest. Swept the Lakers, sent them home. Got them looking bad, and they're waiting. Who do you think has a better chance against the Nuggets in this in this finals? What would be a finals matchup? Does Boston present a tougher matchup for Denver, or is it Miami? I can't wait, y'all. I can't wait. It's <sighs> game seven, man. Game seven. Game seven. I'm just saying. I'm excited. I know you're excited. We'll get our answer. We'll have our finals matchup. We'll do a preview show on that. Can't wait. June 1st, finals tip off. This has been your host, L. Jones, an Average Fan Podcast. We out.